यू आर लिस्निंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट द मार्च ऑफ नाइनटीन नाइनटी वन वॉज अ टर्निंग पॉइंट हिस्ट्री द चंद्रशेखर गवर्नमेंट प्रेजेंटेड एन इंटरम बजट ऑन द फोर्थ ऑफ मार्च फाइनेंस मिनिस्टर यशवंत सिन्हा स्पोक इन द बजट स्पीच ऑफ अ फ्रेजाइल इकोनॉमिक सिचुएशन एंड अ माइक्रो इकोनॉमिक क्राइसिस बट कुड नॉट टेक करेक्टिव स्टेप्स रिक्वायर्ड बिकॉज द गवर्नमेंट वॉज पोलिटिकली टू वीक बाय मे नाइनटीन इंटरनेशनल रेटिंग एजेंसीज है डाउनग्रेडेड इंडिया टू बिलो इन्वेस्टमेंट ग्रेड इंडिया वॉज ऑन द ब्रिंक ऑफ डिफॉल्ट ऑन इट्स इंटरनेशनल ऑब्लिगेशंस समथिंग दैट एड नेवर हैपन बिफोर मिसिस सिन्हा ऑथोराइज द स्टेट बैंक ऑफ इंडिया टू सेल ट्वेंटी टन ऑफ गोल्ड फ्रॉम द गवर्नमेंट ऑफ इंडिया स्टॉक to the union bank of switzerland he also authorized negotiations for pledging 47 tons of coal from the reserves as collateral for a loan of 600 million dollars from the bank of japan and the bank of england they insisted that the gold should be physically shipped to their vaults in london on 21st june 1991 a new government headed by pv narasimharao was sworn in it brought the crisis under control and reversed the economic policies of interventionism india had stuck to in the first four decades post independence these decisions changed the indian economy unimaginably welcome to india's reform story i'm your host pooja mehra i'm an independent journalist and podcaster and the author of the lost decade 2008 to 18 how india's growth story devolved into growth without a story india's reform story is a seven part podcast In a series of seven conversations with economists, policymakers and commentators, I will unpack the story behind India's reforms and find out what went on behind the scenes and how successive prime ministers from Atal Bihari Vajpayee to Narendra Modi have taken these reforms forward. To close this series, I spoke with global investor, author and columnist with insights into a whole range of emerging market economies, Rajiv Sharma, on India's reforms experience. Back in 1991 as a 17-year-old Richard had watched from the visitors gallery in Lok Sabha as Dr Manmohan Singh delivered the 1991 budget speech. I asked him if it can be said that the Indian economy has truly graduated from being business friendly to being market friendly as a result of the reforms undertaken in these 30 years. Yeah, hi Pooja, in fact 1991 for me was an extremely significant year not just because of the landmark economic reforms that india embarked on that year but it was also the start of my writing career i was 17 years old i had just finished my 12th grade and i started to pursue my passion for writing it was so significant that what was a 17 year old going to do in a major economic newspaper of that time and it's interesting that what they that what is the opening i saw the opening i saw then was that nobody in india at that point of time or hardly anybody in india was writing on what's happening in the rest of the world and so that's the opening i saw which is that the rest of the world is not uh, that india then just hasn't hadn't globalized india hadn't integrated with the rest of the world to a great degree and yet there was some curiosity i felt about what was happening you know the gradual path of india opening up to the rest of the world had sort of begun in 1980 in the 1980s but it was still a very slow process so for me it was very very significant that may of 1991 is when i started to write for the business and political observer i wrote a column then called forex watch and that column was all about what is happening in the rest of the world through the lens of the foreign exchange markets because that the people in india who i thought 
cared the most about the rest of the world were obviously people dealing in foreign exchange and what was happening in the rest of the world. So that's what life like was like before 1991, that there was virtually nobody writing on what's happening in the rest of the world. Some of the newspapers would just pick up wire copy of what's happening in the rest of the world. And that's the opening I saw for myself to write on global economic matters through the lens of foreign exchange and this column called Forex Watch. And how how did the perception about India change, especially among overseas investors, as you would have seen over the years after that? Well, 1991 clearly made a very big sound across the world. Uh, in fact, in the July of 1991, when uh, Dr. Manmohan Singh presented that budget, it was also happy to be the first time that I went to parliament. At that point in time, the uh, you know one of the uh, politicians who I got to know, in fact, it was Mr. Jagdeep Dhankar, who's currently the governor of Bengal. He had been the uh, junior parliamentary affairs minister. And I requested him to get me a pass to go and see the first budget uh, because there was great anticipation about what that budget was going to be. And I still recall being in parliament in the speaker's gallery and so fascinating for a 17-year-old to be seated there and watching and watching this budget. And you knew something very landmark you know, was, was underway. It all felt very close and, and really fascinating for a 17-year-old to watch from the speaker's gallery the, pre- the presentation of such a landmark budget. And even before that, because just before that budget, even a lot of decisions were already being taken. And uh, so you could make out that you know, it was a big bang that India made with that. And uh, that would continue to be the mood of that time. It was a very heady time in one way that India was coming out of a crisis, but it was coming out in a in a very uh, in a very strong way out of that crisis, and that headiness continued right up until I'd say you know like you had a a major interruption with obviously the 1992 uh, scam in the stock market, but once foreign investors were allowed into the country right around that time, right up until the mid 1990s, it was a very very heady time, and soon after, of course, I. I joined Morgan Stanley and started to work with them in 1996. And even then we were, you know, like at at Morgan Stanley, we were among the largest foreign investors in the country and the first foreign investors in the country. So to see that was, you know, like a really a dramatic journey, I would say, right from 1991, from the time I started writing, watched that landmark budget and then joined Morgan Stanley on the investing side on the FII side, as we used to call them then. Uh, and so. Do you recall and, any of the reactions from your colleagues in other parts of the world, uh, you know, especially comparing uh, India's experience of coming out of this crisis with similar setbacks that other economies had faced and handled? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that two things, I mean, I'll, I'll say about this. One, that you have to understand the context of that time, which is that. It came after the collapse of the Berlin Wall. It came after the entire ideology of the Soviet Union, especially their economic ideology, had gone completely bust. We saw the disintegration of that. So I think that the one thing I will, you know, like uh, like to also curb the enthusiasm with a bit is that this was happening at a time when there was a complete ideological decimation of the other side. And there only seemed to be one way, which is of... 
these countries adopting much more capitalism china was already doing it in a uh, had already done it in a pretty decisive way in the 1980s under deng xiaoping then in a zurongji they it got a second philip uh, in the early 1990s as well latin america had already shown the way for privatization but across emerging markets there was this headiness about the fact that you know we have to carry out economic reforms and reforms those days meant opening up joining the global economic system and letting the wave of globalization carry you so it was a global movement that was taking place back then as you well know from my writings uh, puja that one of my constant complaints as far as india is concerned is that we always tend to think it's about us and not enough about the rest of the world and how that's shaping both our thought process and also shaping our economy and i think that that's one thing i will say that the early 1990s yes india carried out these very major economic reforms because of the crisis that we faced in 1991 but many countries around the world many other emerging markets around the world were all were also carrying out similar economic reforms or had already carried out such economic reforms just that india's size as a as a country was always big so the effect and the impact of that was always going to be much bigger but it's something which you found many countries around the world were also carrying out similar reforms because that was seen as the only way to go after the collapse of the berlin wall and the disintegration of the soviet union that alternative economic ideology had been totally decimated did anything about the indian process or outcomes and impact seem extraordinary to you at any point i think that what was seen as extraordinary at that point in time was the quality of the policy makers that india had that it was seen as a very bright team in the north block that india had at that point in time uh, some very you know like obviously it was manmohan singh it was people like montek singh aluwalia these people had also worked at like for internationally in exactly. these circles exactly yeah. exactly yeah. You know, so they were they, they were very well known internationally very articulate the team that india had at that point in time was seen as being as you know like among the brightest set of technocrats that any country had it was a very well regarded team and and a team that ran deep in terms of you know whoever the chief economic advisors were and the other the team then the technocrats True. of that era were i think True. regarded very well internationally partly because they had worked at these multilateral institutions in a very senior capacity it said that the economy graduated from being business friendly to being market friendly because of all the reforms that have taken place after 1991 have you seen this change in tangible ways i'm not sure that i would categorize it that way because i think there are two points that i'd make here that one for me 1991 what it did for india was to integrate the economy much more with the global economy that's how i see the 1991 reforms as being the most significant and i think that in this regard it's very important to see as to what happened to india's growth trajectory puja because if you look at it india's growth rate accelerated a lot uh, in 92 93 94 but from 95 onwards the big problem came to be inflation and then you had the east asian financial crisis in 97 98 and india's growth rate slowed down quite sharply after that it was really after 2003 where india's growth rate took off when the global emerging market boom started so i think that it's very important to make this distinction about 
what happened after 91 when did india's growth rate really take off and what were the 91 reforms all about so i think that the 91 reforms were all about integrating india much more the global economy and also in a it marked a major change in the mindset that the notion of socialism made way for much more of consumerism it was you know this heady time of of foreign goods foreign consumption the entry of some major foreign brands in india and all those were greeted with a lot of excitement because for so long these brands were shut out of india and indians didn't have access to it so the freedom that the economic freedom that brought the freedom of personal choice it brought that's how i really read the reforms of 91 or that year as the turning point for that this distinction between business friendly and market friendly i don't know that's something which i still feel is a problem for india that something hasn't been fully resolved as yet i mean as we know that one of the big fault lines again something that i wrote about of the boom of the 2000s also was the fact that it ended up in so much crony capitalism at the end of it and the fact that it ended up in so much crony capitalism at the end of it is something which was obviously a very big problem for india so i'm not sure that i would put the reforms of 91 as moving things necessarily from business to market friendly but yeah definitely in increasing the role of the market in the economy and integrating india much more with the global economy and also in the change of mindset away from uh, socialism and that sort of self righteousness that brings to a much more consumerist and capitalist mindset but there's a very strong element of statism and socialism in the country and you know because there's a lot of attention obviously of what happens in delhi but even in the state capitals when i go i feel that same tendency of control of not letting go that i think is a very strong tendency which is there so to move to a true market oriented system you need much more economic freedom to be given to people and that i think the biggest disconnect in india is that there's a lot of political freedom but not enough economic freedom that's given to people and so i think that that is where the bottleneck is that the statism the desire to control the desire to intervene is very strong and uh, maybe it's a dna issue statism and socialism run deep in india's dna and the politicians are and the business people are a reflection of that so that is what i think prevents things from prevents india from becoming a true market oriented economy because of the expectations we have of intervention and at the same time there is this whole narrative about aspirations and you know a great economic future almost being inevitable whether defined in terms of a 5 trillion dollar economy or a 10 trillion dollar economy or as measurably improved quality of life for majority indians whatever be the yardstick but is it correct for so many people to take this future for granted you track so many economies so many countries have tried to develop but failed to do so and remain yeah. stuck you know below their potential there's south africa there's brazil there's thailand there are many examples exactly uh, what 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 do you what do you think of you know this tendency what are your fears your concerns and aspirations for india for the next few years and decades if you look at most emerging markets they tend to get caught in what i call a, a circle of life which is that they carry out economic reforms only when they have a crisis after they carry out the economic reforms it leads to some burst of economic growth that burst of economic growth again sows the seeds of complacency and that complacency often leads to another crisis and that's the reason that as you point out there are so many of these emerging markets that tend to uh, grow for a decade and then do nothing 
for the next decade you know like these bursts of growth which come and then go away because we only carry out economic reforms when we have our back to the wall uh but i think that the good news is that you can argue that countries like india today are sort of at that position uh which is that which is that i think there is a sense amongst the establishments amongst the political class the current policy makers that that we have to carry out some economic reforms now the methods in which those economic reforms are being carried out you can debate it the farm laws the labor laws but and some will argue that you know maybe this was done too hurriedly and too hastily but i think that it is showing you the same tendency that only when you have a crisis does india or for that matter most emerging markets only reform then and we are seeing signs of that just now uh, so in fact if you look at india's history every 10 years we go through this cycle which is that we carried out the first major economic reforms in some way in the early 1980s when we again had to go to the imf when we nearly went bust so that's the first time india began to open up you again had that in 1991 which you know was a much more dramatic opening up of the economy with a even bigger crisis that we faced in 1990 similarly after the east asian financial crisis in the late 1990s economic growth rate was slow if you look at india's economic history it's the same sequence which is that it, like most emerging markets india only seems to carry out reforms when it has it's back to the wall and it's that seems to be once every 10 years when we get a major burst of reforms we had that in 1980s when the uh, in the early 1980s when india had to go to the imf and that's i think the first time that you can say india started to carry out the traditional economic reforms it was still small scale obviously 1991 and the early 90s was much more large scale about integrating india into the global economy then we had the east asian financial crisis in the late 1990s growth truly slowed down and there was i think people forget that there was a lot of exasperation in the vajpayee government about why india was not growing faster and that led to another wave of economic reforms including privatization that took place in the early 2000s under vajpayee and you know ministers such as yashwant sinha and arun shori of that of that era so and then obviously in 2012 and 2013 we had the whole crisis again you know which led to some correction as far as india was concerned a lot of course correction you know like following the entire classification of india and the fragile five kind of thing back then and i think that now we could be at a similar point which is that there is a recognition that uh, after the pandemic that that the finances don't allow a country like india uh, to carry out uh, any major stimulus unlike the western countries and so therefore now what they're doing is in terms of carrying out some economic reforms once again you can as i said earlier you can argue about the methods the the haste with which it's being done but i think that there is a clear recognition that you need to do something now to carry out some economic reforms and get growth rates back to some reasonable level so this is the sequence i think india has followed every 10 years you can argue uh, really for uh, much of the last 50 years and in the cycle repetitive cycle of a burst of reforms followed by a burst of growth and then a sort of slacking and becoming complacent only to be facing another crisis and set of reforms most people say uh, richard and if you agree that in all of this there has been a consensus across political and ideological uh, groups on the direction for economic policy 
subsequent governments have followed similar policies and have had similar positions, even if they've not always succeeded in implementing them. And privatization is one example where even governments that have wanted to do it have not been able to do it because of coalition partners, etc. Sometimes opposition from within their own parties. Uh, but on other things such as openness to trade, for openness to foreign investments, lower and simpler taxation rates and systems, all of that consensus was taken to be a given and was something that foreign investors drew a lot of comfort from. That consensus, uh, Richard, seems to be weakening now with all ideological outfits and political parties having their own concerns and points of disagreement and disappointment. Of course, the policy discourse has always been noisy, but this is the first time in you know decades that we are seeing reversals. Hard-earned gains in trade policy, for instance, are being given up. And there's not an isolated example in all of this, you know, especially in complaining against, say, China's trade and other policies. Many countries have these kind of uh, complaints, and uh, many would say very valid concerns. But the levels of protection being sought in India are very different. Um, yeah. There is another set of critics of liberalization in India that argues that the economic model is in need of fresh thinking because it is not still delivering for all Indians. Mm -hmm. These are all points worth debating, yes. But is this debate also something that is stalling progress on all the hard work that still needs to be done for India to look at, uh, you know, really uh, uh, in terms of a developed economy in the near future? Yeah, I think that uh, is all valid points. And once again, I think this puts into context why carrying out reforms in the early 1990s was in fact easier than carrying out reforms now, because the global context was very different. Uh, because in the early 1990s, as we said at the outset of the show, Pooja, uh, that the consensus around the world was moving in favor of much more globalization uh, with the collapse of the Berlin Wall, the demise of the Soviet Union it was moving much more in that direction. So the global winds were in India's favor, or at least in favor of the traditional economic reforms to be carried out, because that's what the consensus was building around the world. Today, it's very different. Today that we are in an era of deglobalization, where many countries now are turning much more inward, much more protectionist. Words like self-reliance, which were originally popularized in countries like North Korea, are finding mention in places, not just even in India, but even places like China, you're finding self-reliance as a buzzword because China obviously is thinking about how it doesn't want to be that dependent on US for its uh, technological needs, given the rising trade tensions between US and China. So I think that this is, a, this is where the global context matters so much. And the reforms in the early 1990s were that way easier to carry out. And today, the global context has changed because we are in a different era of deglobalization. We're in an era where some of the lessons of the 70s and 80s have, are being forgotten. And those lessons were that what was life like under socialism, especially in the West, I find that a lot in places like the US, where, you know, like the millennials and the young generation there have a, once again, have a romanticism with the idea of socialism, partly because capitalism in the way that they know it hasn't delivered in the last 10 or 20 years and they don't have a memory of the downside of socialism, as was the case in many countries in the 1970s or even the 60s and 80s. So I think that you know this is how the pendulum tends to swing. And so therefore, it is much more difficult to build up a consensus for carrying out the traditional economic reforms. 
even though India today is at a very different stage, which is that the level of economic freedom in India today is still a fraction of what the level of economic freedom is there in the West, in countries such as the United States. So, and the second point that I've made often in my recent writings is that the capitalism that we have today in the West is in fact, in many ways, a distorted form of capitalism. It is not the capitalism which is about creative destruction, about letting new businesses rise, about letting old businesses and big businesses die. Uh, because of this addiction now we have globally to constant stimulus that you just keeps stimulating at the site of any problem and you keep giving bailouts, that's leading to a distorted form of capitalism, which is that it's really ending up being socialism for the rich in many ways, uh, because they keep getting bailed out and the default rates are relatively low. And that's the reason why you have the rise of so many zombie companies around the world. And a lot of the millennials and the young generation feel that they're being left out of the process here, because it's much harder to start a new company when it's dominated so much by big business. And this is a global problem. That brings me to the end of this podcast. My thanks to the guest speakers among who are reformers, technocrats and officials that rolled up their sleeves and said, let's get reforms done. And commentators that made a case for reforms in their writings, undeterred by the obstructionists or the reluctant. To them and those brilliant reformers who stay off limelight, I say, we are thankful for what you do. This is your host, Pooja Mehra, signing off. So we beat on. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.